You're listening to the Holdcast with Jack Grimsey and Robert Lintott. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Holdcast for 7500tohold.com. As always, I'm Jack Grimsey, and this time I'm joined by James Rushton. We're talking all the latest around Aston Villa. How's it going, James? I'm all right, Jack, and uh, speaking about Aston Villa, a lot has been going on. In the yeah, a lot has. <laughs> you're right, you're right. The What, the, just the last 48 hours and even the last two weeks, I know we missed you last week, took that week off after the season ended, but a lot has happened since then. New ownership, possibly new manager coming in, and James, I know you're excited about that. Yeah, um, it's all kicking off, and uh, I have actually renewed my season ticket today, uh, for all those who would like to know. But yeah, based on all this news, but yeah, we could be ending up with Roberto Di Matteo as our manager, but more importantly, Tony Shia, a Chinese businessman of certain repute, is uh, buying Gaston Villa for the Tesco through. So, wow, incredible stuff. Yeah, exactly. It looked like Randy Lerner was never going to be able to offload the club, and he's tried to sell it for a couple years. His initial asking price, I think, what, 200 million pounds and down to 150, 100. Um, some figures reporting in the 60s, but a TV interview with Tony Shia, he said he paid over 100 million for the club. So I'm going to I'm going to believe him on that. I have no reason to not believe anything he has to say so far at this point. Uh, no, it's quite weird, isn't it? Because uh, it seems that it's almost like just because he's Chinese, there's a lot of digging going on to his personal life, you know, which we can't find anyway because Google's restricted in China. There's a great, the great mythical firewall, you know, certainly exists. We can't just dig this information. It's actually created a lot of fear of the unknown. Uh, when we don't have this information and knowledge available to us, we get scared and panicking, almost negative. And it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's not like um, this was a big thing we was waiting for, and there seems to be a load of negativity around it. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to go ahead and say that all of it is racist, but certainly some of it is. And it's disappointing. And even on a TV interview with CNN, the presenter brought up Carson Young of Birmingham City, and he said, I don't even want to be in the same conversation as that man. And they're just linked it's because weird, they're they're both from the same place yeah, in the world, I, I guess. Mean, like, Germany's close to France, but you wouldn't call a German person French? And but I know Hong Kong has a you know a long history of China, but Carson Young and Tony Shearer, are two different people from two different places, is insane to make that comparison. Yeah. yeah, and I mean a lot of it. A lot of it, obviously, with the money aspect, has been confused and rightly so because there's so many different currencies being used for all the, the different value amounts, and some people saying, "Oh, he's not even as rich as he is," because you have to divide that by whatever to find his his net worth in pounds, so on and so forth. But, you know, obviously he is a very rich man. And the only thing that he said that is totally unbelievable at this point is that he wants to make Villa one of the top three clubs in the world. Yeah, it's just not happening at all. Um, (laughs) Yeah. For for Villa to be top three in the world, they need to buy the entire Real Madrid squad yesterday. (laughs) And it hasn't happened. (laughs) uh, Carlo Ancelotti as a manager, something like that. No. Hasn't happened. We've got a fellow Italian, Roberto Di Matteo, actually. You know, even even if Villa would have won the league like Leicester, Leicester's still not a top three club in the world. Oh, no. No. You uh, know? <laughs> the Premier League title, being as uh, prestigious as it is, is still 
the number, it, you know, the, it's the same as the old Division One title. It's a Premier competition, and Aston Villa have got a boatload of those. So to even get to that level, what Leicester have done is amazing, but it still doesn't get to that level of oh, we've done, you've done it one time, try four or five, you know, <laughs> try winning, yeah, yeah, exactly. for a few times in a row. Just be there, thereabouts for really ten years. You kind of have to be before before yeah. people see you as having real staying power. Because even Man City, they've dominated you know English competition for quite a while, and even Chelsea. But they're not like they're not as big as you know United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. They just aren't. You have to win over tens of years. You have to build a history and a prestige. By winning, you know, winning competitions, you don't just get it because you've won five or six in a few years. You have to keep going for a generation to be big. And thankfully, Aston Villa can fall back on that. Yeah, at least at least there is something in the past that Villa do have, you know. And I think that's probably a big selling point, or was a big selling point for the club. We heard Dr. Tony say that he was he's been a Villa fan for a number of years, or saw something in the press releases. I don't know. How much there is behind that? And frankly, I do not care. Oh, of course, man. If uh, anyone wants to buy Aston Villa Football Club and wants to do the right thing, then surely they're entitled to do so, whether they're a fan or not. Um, you know, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are, if you want business, isn't it should be uh, blind to uh, race, creed, and colour. And he can do whatever he wants in Aston Villa because he's stumped up the money for it should he pass the FA Fit and Proper Persons test. Yeah, and we we did get a Twitter question about that. We'll get to that and the other ones later. But, I mean, the the one thing that is really encouraging about his financial situation is that he's, he's going to have the money to buy players, which is going to be something that's much needed. I know a lot, of, a lot of fans may be concerned about renaming the stadium, excessive branding everywhere, and frankly, we need the money and... If they rename Villa Park to Lotus Villa Park or whatever they do, everyone will still call it Villa Park, and it will it will always be Villa Park to us. So that it doesn't matter. Of course, it, yeah, of course not. I mean, it's not like the NFL where you have entire stadiums built up from the ground um, in the MLB as well. City Field it doesn't actually have a name. It's always a straight sponsor from the get go. You get the first Energy Stadium, or you know, Coors Park stuff like that, and it never has its name. It never has an identity. It's always. The sponsored field or sponsored place or sponsored arena. It's never like Villa Park was Villa Park, as uh, you know, this Etihad Stadium was Eastlands or the City of Manchester Stadium. We all in England, there's a lot of stadiums that have that name of that location. Upton Park or the Berlin Ground, you know, it, they have history in this name that just doesn't go away. And which is why sponsorship in fo- football is quite a fallacy, actually, isn't it? Um, especially Newcastle when they called. They ground the Sports Direct Arena. That wasn't going to fly. People were always going to call it St James's Park. What does sponsorship achieve for uh, these stadiums? Because the only audience that it will reflect to would be during the FIFA World Cup or you know a European Championship in that country where the sponsorship season played out. And you can't even do that because FIFA don't let. They have to use the original stadium names. So th- yeah, yeah, it's absolutely exactly. pointless, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, it. We we all know, the villa we all know is not really going to change. Of course not. Maybe we'll get a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. There'll be so a bit of money behind us, not incredible amounts, but enough to compete. 
that's all we want. I don't want. I'm, it's not like I want Villa to win anything or do anything. I just want them to be competitive. Yeah, exactly. Maybe make a run, a run at the cup now and again, like yeah, like points. last year, which cheap. <laughs> and now, now it looks like Palace are going to be doomed because everybody who's been been to the FA Cup, one of the one of the two teams has been to the FA Cup final the past few years has gotten relegated the next. <laughs> and Palace so, were heading that. straight for relegation this year. Thankfully, the season ended. Oh. Yeah, well, they they won like two games that weren't in the cups since January or something. Yeah, and they were bad against Aston Villa. Um, actually beat them didn't we uh yeah should have beat them even the first time yeah uh but yeah they had, they had a great run at the in 2015 and they were looking they were in the same conversation as Leicester like oh my god they're gonna be in the top six and then they just didn't follow through but Leicester did so doesn't really bode well for them especially uh how they fluffed their lines and in many of the chances they've been given yeah and I mean let's let's look at a club that's kind of had an opposite end to the season as Palace, and that's Arsenal, because we're just going to briefly touch on that game because it was terrible, and it was the end of the end of an era and the end of Eric Black, very encouragingly. Yeah, uh, sooner it's over, the you know, the better, the complete waste of time for everyone involved. Um, the best part of the match was following it on Twitter. I didn't watch it because what's the point? We all... You know, waste of time. Um, I go. I've been to enough matches this year. So I think I'm allowed one off. But yeah, uh, I didn't. From judging from what I saw, it's a complete waste of time for everyone involved. Everyone who played or watched it, pointless, pointless endeavor. Even fielding a team, um, I should have thrown in the towel. <laughs> you should have thrown in the youth team, and then they could have. Thrown oh yeah, in the towel. that's the option. But I don't think Eric Black was ever going to do that. And I don't know how he's still involved with Aston Villa. He should have been shot straight out the door. I don't know when his contract expires, but it needs to have expired about two weeks ago. Yeah, at a minimum. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, that doesn't matter because he's gone. We lost okay. Arsenal. That's that's the end of that game. That's the end of Eric Black. And hopefully, we have a new manager of developments today. Saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about that that the club had a new manager coming in, and uh, Dr. Tony. He had said before, or he'd said on CNN that they've been looking at a new manager for a number of months, and that that was really encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be between Pearson or Di Matteo, and um, I mean, people have their reservations about Pearson and uh, Di Matteo, respectively. But I don't see how either of them could do worse than Tim Sherwood, Remy Gard, Eric Black, and Kevin McDonald. Um, so yeah, looks positive going forward with whoever, whomever we choose to go forward, even if it is not Di Matteo and the surprise candidate. But um, yeah, I don't think Di Matteo can actually mess up anything. I think the structure should be in place, hopefully, but provided by Dr. Tony Shear to be a success. Um, the role of a manager has actually become really unimportant in modern football. The system that they employ is more important and that can vary. Yeah, if if you have that system in place, yeah. you know, previously at Villa, it was the system was a shambles. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, someone like Louis Van Aert, obviously an intelligent, very smart, very capable manager, and people are defining him by his time at Manchester United, which is completely, you know, it's it's kind of out of order, isn't it? Considering the success he's had, all that happened was he implemented a system that didn't work. It's not more so the manager failing; it's their system. Yeah, I guess it is the manager failing because they implement the system. But um, it's always down to, to what they employ, whether they change it. Because, I don't know, do you have one chance at employing a system? Because Lambert switched it around and that completely went backwards. So 
Oh. Yeah, and then you throw Tom Fox into the works. And... <laughs> exactly. It's not going to work. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what the role of a manager is anymore except to kind of shout stuff and put that system in place. I've, I think clubs these days kind of run themselves with a great backroom structure. Yeah, yeah. The assistant managers, are, I think, are, are just as key. Yeah, I think the role you of know, the because assistant the, manager, uh, yeah, The head guy is not going to be everywhere at training. That's become a bit more important, hasn't it? The roles of coaches, assistant managers, and the youth development squads in providing that backbone that stays when you know that the spirit of the manager is not there. It's that flesh, that structure that keeps it there. And uh, you know, you see it in Leicester with Craig Shakespeare, a shout out because he's actually from where I'm from, Great Bar, Birmingham, <laughs> and my dad went to school with him, which is absolutely crazy. Craig Shakespeare, everyone a Premier League winning coach with uh, Leicester City. People like that are more important now. The coaches that stay there, people like Ben Petty or Mark Delaney at Aston Villa, people who are, you know, they're like, like the paintings all over, like the furniture there. The managers come and go. Yeah, that's that's what would have made Pearson such an attractive candidate is if he could have brought his backroom staff that most of them are actually still at Leicester. Mm. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's why they're successful. Yeah, the Leicester managers completely, the people in charge of Leicester completely had faith in whatever staff there was there managing the squad. We see too often in football when someone comes in, David Moyes is the biggest example, coming in and completely clearing house at United, which was clearly successful backroom staff. You know, people who helped Alex Ferguson, you know, to a point where he didn't even have to do his job anymore, he just had to block, watch it run, him, run itself. Um, he came in and just kind of cleaned house and got rid of everyone and we saw what happened there you know it's proof is in the pudding that Manchester United weren't good enough under Moyes and coaching structures underrated severely underrated we can blame results and tactics or failures in that match but if you don't set up a structure you ain't setting up at all are you you're planning to fail yeah exactly and I know some of the complaints about Di Matteo have been that he's never he's never built a club never built the squad but he took what he had and he got Chelsea to a Champions League final and won a Champions League final. Yeah. So it's funny that those those people would slight him for that, but they praise Tony Barton for doing the exact same thing at Villa. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> 34 or so years today, Villa would have you know won the European Cup in the exact same circumstances. That's Di Matteo won it. It's so symbolic that Di Matteo is being hired because he went to Germany's backyard, probably harder than Aston Villa had it, and beat Bayern Munich in their own stadium in a Champions yeah. League final. You can't, you would, you, you don't do that. It doesn't happen. He has a lot of say. He has, a, you know, that cup win is on, on his back as well as the people who qualified for it. I don't know how you can take it away from him. Yeah, I feel like he was pushed out the door a little quickly at Chelsea. Maybe they should have given him some more time. Obviously, he was probably never there future yeah. star special one manager person that they wanted in there but yeah well I guess the day, a name like Di Matteo doesn't really sell the tickets does it uh, former players are really unattractive hires as manager look at Ryan Giggs for example um, when his name comes up for the Manchester United job people turn their nose up at it, even though he's an unknown quantity they don't know what they're getting with him but um, with Di Matteo it's almost similar he's a former player you know certain prestige um, who's not been really, you know, given a fair shot at this the chance he's got for Villa. People are judging him too quick to judge. Same with Tony Shear, really, isn't it? People are too quick to judge know about what they don't know. Um, we do know he won a Champions League, Champions League final. We do know he managed West Brom 
uh, Schalke and MK Dons, you know, we know he had success, relative success at a few of those places, um, but we're too quick to judge on judging him for Aston Villa job when we don't know what he can do. Yeah, and it's a totally new situation as well. So I think you just have just have to give him a chance. Obviously, yeah. it's the only thing you can do. You don't want to just be mad about it from the start. Yeah, I think you absolutely have to roll with it. Um, be bad. You have no say in it, do you? As a as a fan of uh, football or soccer, you don't have a say in how the sports run. So just let just it's like a roller coaster, isn't it? You're not there to build the ride or comment on the ride or enjoy the architecture of the ride. You're there to enjoy the, the ups and downs and just hope to God that you don't smash into a carriage and have to have your legs cut off or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You just have to hope that it's okay and you get off at the end and you can go, let's go on that again. That was fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You're just there for the ride. You're just there for the ride. You're not there to comment or pick apart it. You're, You're there to watch, enjoy, and hopefully not get too upset or hurt by it all. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly excited. Unfortunately, we probably won't be able to see as many matches before, but and pr- previously that didn't seem like such a bad thing. But if Villa actually are going to be competent and fun to watch, I know we're going to win at least twenty games next year. Yeah, because yeah. with with so many games in the championship, what forty forty two games? Yeah, exactly. It's almost like how I have to deal with the Mets, and they're relatively successful. In the MLB, I mean, winning a few games and they got to the World Series last year. But I can't watch every game that they have. I can watch maybe one or, one or three. And if, yeah, but if I mean, in baseball, in baseball, there's 160 yeah, games yeah. and then and maybe 20 more in the oh, playoffs. You, you can tell that to BT Sports who always show the New York Yankees without, <laughs> without fail. You know, that, just change it around a bit. But like watching, trying to watch baseball, you can't. What I can't watch the team I want to watch. as They are on a lot similar to almost like a championship schedule you can watch them once or twice a month but if you want to watch every match you're not gonna um you're not gonna be able to watch every match and you know i've seen on the facebook highlights of like Bartolo Colans, you know knocking fucking home run at the stadium i was like oh gee imagine if i could watch that if it was like a premier league match and i could watch that that's what it will be like for you guys in a championship you will see stuff almost a day after it happens thankfully there's twitter and stuff but there won't all the games won't be displayed, there won't be GIFs, and there won't be loads of content about the games. We'll have to kind of really prehistoric era this stuff, you know, radio and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. If the it's finding a dodgy stream is one thing, but only having radio on, yeah. available, that's that's something completely different, you know. And the thing is, will there be much Twitter? You know, anything on Twitter about it? How are people gonna know the score? You know, we're Yeah, it's not like Matt Kendrick's gonna yeah. be out live tweeting the match. Yeah, I mean, hope that maybe they will catch on and do something like that. It'd be really cool uh, to get to the match live, blog it, live stream it, tweet about it, because people can't watch it. And you know, running the Twitter account for seventy five hundred Holt, we know that people constantly ask, "How the hell are you going to follow? How the hell are we going to follow next year?" Because we're going to do our best. <laughs> we're going to do our damnedest. So, uh, it's going to be hard because. You won't be able to watch all the games, definitely. And I'll only be able to see half of them on a good day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Villa will be up for a lot of TV opportunities in the championship, being a, as prestigious a club as they are. But that doesn't mean... That means about 10 matches. So 
I don't know how much you're missing on there. Maybe 30, 36, is it? 36 matches that you just won't be able to watch. So yeah. that's a whole, almost an entire season of Premier League football missed out on. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully we draw some bigger teams in the cup maybe and then we get to see more matches. Oh yeah, of course. And there, you know, there will always be uh, clips of goals and stuff. So it's not like, you just have to piece the match together after it happened. More so than actually watching it. Which is kind of sucky, yeah. actually, saying it out loud. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it doesn't sound as relieving as an ex- a chance to get away from the villa a little bit, which, I mean, this this summer is definitely needed after that season, but I am excited just to see what Dr. Tony can bring in. And with with the rumored money, he said 20 million up to maybe 50 million if he finds, if he find, finds the right manager, excuse me. And mm-hmm. it looks like he has in, in Di Matteo, but... Still, the first step is clearing out some of the deadwood. Yeah, um, you wrote, where can, when can we sell these lards? And I thought, when can we sell these lads? And I was like, oh, he's made us vote. Oh, he means lards. Oh, I get it. It's Julian Lescott and Guzan and Michael Richards. And yeah, those guys can really go away. Just um, undesirable from, from yeah, any standpoint. Guzan is acting like nothing happened. He's like speaking to the Associated Press, the AP, about... His damn time with American. He's like, yeah, I just got to put the season behind me. I was like, you, you can't put that behind you. That is a, that season should be on your mind every time you go out for a football match, and you should hope that you can improve from that. <laughs> if you forget about, yeah, there's there's a right. reason that relegation is going to be a black mark on your CV. Yeah, maybe Brad, yeah. it's because you dropped a few balls into the back of the net. <laughs> you know, maybe you are actually kind of responsible responsible for drop points. It's not like. I'm not pinning all all of it on Brad Guzan, but God, we've seen him jump for balls that he, he has no He right wasn't to. bailing us out like like how he saved us for relegation like the past three years. No, in fact, I think he was actually you had know. a pretty tasty bet on Villa going down. The amount of balls that he kind of slapped <laughs> into his own box and you know put the punches he made. And Swansea was the worst. People going about the Aguero mistake against Chelsea, but him against Swansea, absolutely no idea. Coming out to a ball like that, he was midair. He couldn't do it. He couldn't. Yeah, diving save. No, we're we're gonna we're gonna lose to City anyways. That goal doesn't matter. Exactly. Swansea was a winnable game, and Brad Guzan managed to really fucking chuck that shit away. No, without a care in the world. Really, really annoying player he is. Um, Really polarizing because it's he'll go to America and pick up a huge wage. Julian Lescott might not because of his age and, you know, his physical problems and he can't run. When he runs, it looks like he's re- it's in slow motion. It looks like it's one, no, 0.5 speed on a tape. It looks hor- horrific. It doesn't look natural. Um, Brad Goosen, on the other hand, he plays for the American national team. He's a starter. He goes yeah, to he's him. starting now over Tim Howard for the <laughs> Copa America. So hopefully he has a good Copa America and puts himself in the shop Dude, window. Nick Romando must be haunted by this. <laughs> but God, anyone, any American keeper looks at that and goes, oh, Brad Guzan's starting. Brad Guzan's absolutely nothing to deserve this place. He, can, he may very well play good for the United Even States. Even Mark Bunn eventually got into the team. Dude, if Mark Bunn hopefully has the, like an American granddad or something like that, he might be able to. He should be playing for the American national team. Oh, maybe if he has a German granddad, I think he could easily get in with Klinsmann. <laughs> yeah, just kind <laughs> That's of. All you need. That's all you need. Do you fancy living in America for five, six years, Mark? Just get the uh, your passport, and you can uh, join us up in time for the twenty twenty two 
Copra America, maybe. Who knows? But um, yeah, Brad Guzan, I can't believe American fans are absolutely okay with Brad Guzan starting because of the way he plays. Because there is, we have seen Aston Villa fans are experts on his idiocy. And it just shows how much they haven't been paying attention to our season. How can you, as an American, watch a US men's national team match and not be on the constant state, state of an aneurysm with Brad Guzan and goal? Like, we know what he can do for Aston Villa and he just hasn't done it for America yet. It's only a matter of time before he jumps across the box and ploughs, you know, a Javier Hernandez ball into the back of his net, which had no right to go in. So, yeah, he he needs to go to MLS so his own people can hate him as well. I mean, he was the 2008 MLS goalkeeper of the year, so maybe he could, he could rediscover that form, whatever. Hopefully he can have a successful career back here, but... You know, for, for every player that we want to see depart the club two weeks ago, there's some that we want to hold on to and we probably won't be able to hold on to. The latest thing I saw today was that Sunderland weighing up a bid for a £5 million bid for Kieran Clark, which I think we really could use Clark next year for. His, yeah, that would be a fantastic purchase for Sunderland. He isn't a, I don't think he's a bad player at all. I think he's a very uh, solid a solid mid-table backup option, but when you're in Sunderland's position, he's the type of player you would actually want. I think. yeah, and he's he's gonna he's gonna be starting for Republic of Ireland at the Euros, so yeah, he's a, another chance for for everyone to see what he what he can do. I wouldn't say he's a fantastic player, but he's certainly a good player. He's not like a world. No, he, is a, he certainly has a lot of room to grow. Exactly, he just needs to be in the right system. Uh, at Villa, he was kind of a, a fire blanket. He was solving all the problems caused by. You know, dumber, dumb and dumber next to him. Goddamn, Michael Richards and Julian Lescott constantly making mistakes. So he was always a fire blanket, and everything came down to on him constantly because of poor defence by either Hutton, Lescott, Sissoko. He was just the last man all the time, and you can't blame him for making some of the mistakes he did. But he'll go to Sunderland, and he might be able to really pick up something with his career. Yeah, and another another thing I saw today, possibly Jordan Amavi going to Turkey and Trabzonspor. What I saw was that it would be a loan, and if Villa come right back up to the Premier League, we would get him back. That's not actually a bad a bad proposition, is it? Not uh, at all. I mean, rather than losing the kid, I'd rather loan him out. Well, I'll just say, why can't you stay and just bomb it in the Championship, mate? Really. Yeah, exactly. That's I've everyone would prefer that, but I, mean, I think at least yeah, I don't I mean, know why you'd want to go to I'll Turkey, but that. if if whatever, yeah, yeah. definitely take that option. If it was the only, if it was that or selling to Liverpool, I'd take the Turkey loan. But man, Jordan, all you have to do is kick the ball at really just dead in the Championship, and you're scoring goals. You've been Player of the Year. Yeah, he'll have thirty assists and just dead will have thirty goals. I'll tell you what, he'll get caught up to his national team. <laughs> There'll be no reason not to if he's doing that well. Yeah, well, certainly. If you go to Turkey, I don't know, if you go to Turkey, if you go to Liverpool, there's a chance you won't even play a game. You're really you're really risking it with a team like Liverpool with someone like Klopp in charge, really erratic manager. That's not a bad thing. It's just he doesn't... I don't think he plays favourites. No, the thing is, is you you got to you got to have the guy in front of you mess up a couple times and you really have to make the most of your chance. Look at ben, Benteke, just totally ostracized from the squad. Yeah, uh, Benteke isn't even doing bad. People say he's done bad this year, but whenever he's been called upon, he's performed. He's scored more goals in less minutes than Anthony, Anthony Martial. 
which uh, really speaks to his ability. He's really done well um, at Liverpool. He just hasn't played enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you just have to have to have a regular playing time to get used to your new team. Um, someone else who's probably on the way out, addressing on a gay. Yeah, it's too bad, but at least we should get some cash. Well, I hope and he turned down a move. Possibly to also, yeah, he turned down a move to Marseille oh, yeah? to stay in England, and I'm like. Just take the move. Just go, go. You need to run away. <laughs> this, is, this is a mess. Um, Jordan Ayu, I think, also still will probably leave. Yeah. And and Yoris Akoras, and I mean, he. It seems like he really wants out, but maybe if Eric Black's gone, who will want to stay? Yeah, I don't know. That whole thing with uh, Yoris Akoras is kind of really weird. weird. Yeah, really strange. I mean, obviously, the club's not going to release any information on it, and no one's no one's going to be able to get. Yeah, because you got to trust Eric Black when he says Yoris didn't want to play, and then Yoris is like, I did want to play. Absolutely. Yeah, no I know. If it's, a man- if it's a manager that I already hate like that, and he's making stupid decisions with personnel, I'm going to trust the player. Unless it's someone like Lescott, who I already hated, anyways. Yeah, it's a confirm- slight confirmation, but I mean, Yoris may have been much of an idiot as Lescott, but we love Yoris. Exactly. <laughs> and we will believe Yoris. <laughs> Even though yours may have been the dressing room toxin all along. Yeah, he could tweet whatever with his butt and I'll still support him yeah, over trying Black. To tweet the Chelsea badge with his ass because we all know <laughs> this guy loves Tweet Chelsea. a picture of him kissing the Chelsea badge with his tweet ass. Tweet a picture of him, like, not even Photoshop, like Microsoft paint his head onto Diego Costa's body. Something like that, like holding up the shirt. Like something completely. Tweet a Photoshop of him, him as Kim Kardashian breaking the internet with, <laughs> with a Chelsea gigantic shirt. ass. With his, yeah, we out. Him kissing the Chelsea badge. If he tweeted that with his butt, I mean, obviously it would just be hilarious. So how could you even be mad? With two Frank Lampards as the ass cheeks, but no hair. It's just his forehead. <laughs> it's just like really weird picture. It's like, oh, sorry. Tweeting. And one thing, actually, going back to Julian Lescott, one thing I love like, is when players make a real bad mistake and they don't tweet an apology. They take a snapshot of the Notes app on iOS. And, and, and like, Oh, that's because they couldn't fit it in it 140 characters. It really kills me because if you can't... We or put know, on Instagram, yeah. If you can't say something in 140 characters, it's not saying worth saying at all. Just say, I am sorry. That's it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I was driving back... God damn it, that kills me still. Like <laughs> the picture's still there as well. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> the the best was then I just after that the match that happened right after that I just tweeted a stock photo of a Honda Civic because yeah, that's the car that I drive sometimes. <laughs> someone put chitty chitty bang bang. Oh I've even seen like someone put like John Wayne Gacy's car on and stuff like. That. Just like <laughs> off like crazy stuff. Um, this mystery machine. But yeah, Julian Lescott really asked for that. And I really hope instead of Kieran Clark, why don't Sunderland want Julian Lescott? Yeah, why why wouldn't you want him? What? But let's let's move on from talking about butts and cars to some players that maybe Villa could bring in. And it seems like the lips on everyone or the, the word on everyone's lips right now, or the name on everyone's lips is Ross McCormick, who is at Fulham. Yeah, and he's a really good player, and I can't believe he's not in the Premier League. He is Jordan Ayew exemplified and moulded into it a fantastic player. Without uh, the attitude. Yeah, exactly. He is someone who scores goals from outside the box, scores goals in the box. He just doesn't head them in. 
and Villa haven't scored many. But we don't need we, that. We've got Rudy, you know? said. He's someone who can play as a winger or, you know, behind a striker or as a striker. And it's like, wow, why would we not buy Rusk McCormack last year? Why didn't we do that? Yeah, and and Alex Carson, another one of our writers, brought something up. I think I saw it on Twitter was, why hasn't a Premier League side bought Jordan Rhodes? And, of course, he moved to Middlesbrough and will be going and playing in the Premier League next year. But it's it's the same thing. Why hasn't someone bought Ross McCormick? It's like Charlie Austin when he was he was killing it for like Swindon and Burnley and everyone like under the Premier League. Like why, why aren't they buying Charlie Austin? And now we know Charlie Austin. And then he yeah. almost single handedly saved QPR and then exactly. scores great goals for Southampton. Yeah, no one, no one. But he had to get promoted before someone would even think about buying mm-hmm. him. And he still went back down with QPR. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and we still wouldn't buy him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I don't what know. The hell? I don't know what he's done for Southampton, really. But um, I know he was injured a bit and whatnot. But that's not on him. If you get bought in a January transfer window, you can't really be expected to be an insane uh, purchase for that year. Five appearances and one goal for Southampton, which isn't so. You know, it's a bit disappointing. But um, yeah, yeah, he was never first choice in that. Overrated. Squad, um, the winter transfer windows. A, bit overrated I feel in that aspect because you're jumping into a new system without any training yeah unless I mean unless it's just someone you got to plug in because everybody's hurt yeah exactly exactly exactly. or or, I mean Darren Bent Darren Bent I think was still worth it for us because he saved us one year you know that was worth 20 million of course yeah but yeah man uh, Ross McCormack really good player I mean if Villa buy him there's no reason I mean it's only one player but there's no reason they can't really improve on the you know, style of play, amount of goals scored from this terrible yeah, some, season. Somebody who's been mentioned, I think, for a couple of years, not just Villa, but a lot of a lot of Premiership sides. Um, Will Hughes from Derby County. Oh man, I was Will a little Hughes bit is... of the of the promotion playoffs, and he is the real deal. Yeah, he's really good. He is everything in a in a you know in a small blonde package. He just runs around. He tackles. He scores goals. He assists. He is a a complete tidy midfielder. passing. Very tidy yeah. passing, yeah. Um, there, there was a mention of a few. He, I mean, sorry to cut you off, but he really—I mean—he really gets stuck in and can hold his own. He's oh, not yeah. a big dude. Stuck in is a definition of Will Hughes. <laughs> really is like he's usually on the floor, but not like Michael Richards on the floor. He's on the floor because he's you know jammed his feet into someone and took them down. Yeah, and he's, he's getting the ball too. He's like Michael Richards. He's almost like a small white Michael Richards that can actually play football as a midfielder. He's just everywhere. Absolutely. Like, he doesn't give up. It's not like he runs out. He runs out of position, yeah, but he's running out of position for a reason, and he will get back there. Yeah. The goddamn boogeyman, you can't, like, shake him. He's just there. Like, that's, he was, he's always on a man's heels. Like, I was like, you look at this and you're like, why aren't football clubs watching Sky Sports and buying these players? Is there something, what's going on? It's absolute madness behind the scenes of football clubs. I don't get it. The the area of the team, I mean, obviously every area of Essen Villa needs improving, but I don't know really where or who they're looking at as far as goalkeepers go. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, there's a few that Dan, Dan in Championship that I'll take out. Alex Smithies of QPR is one option. Also Rob Green of QPR is another, but he's aging. I would take Green as a backup because he's free. I don't. Yeah. I don't trust him to be the starter. But if we could, if we could dump 
both Brad Guzan and Mark Bunn, I think Robert Green would be a great backup. Yeah, I mean, if Villa have the money, I'll go straight for Alex Smith. He's a very QPR. He's, uh, he was rated for England's uh, number one spot, a future England goalkeeper a, a number of years ago, and he's still relatively young, I believe, only 25 or 24-ish. So I really do believe that um, Villa should take a shot at Alex Smith and keep him in kind of like a bullpen of goalkeepers with uh, Jed Steer. And uh, see yeah, what yeah, works yeah. out. Because I mean, this doing? is a good, yeah, it's a good experimentation season for them in the championship because they can really give a young goalkeeper a hatful of games. And really, yeah, you could give you could give two goalkeepers twenty games each and still have a few games left over, and give another goalkeeper ten. You know, exactly. It's not like um, it's not. There's nothing to lose. There's absolutely nothing to lose because we we are bad. Yeah, there's there's no way we're going down again. There Absolutely is, no chance. There's no way we have a worse goalkeeper than Brad Guzan or Mark Bourne. There is a, it just it doesn't exist. There's, you'd have to go to the Vanarama Conference and pick the, a third stringer, and he might even perform better because you've taken a chance on him. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's going to make the most of the situation. But yeah, I think I think that kind of kind of wraps us up for transfer discussion. Obviously, it's not even June yet. Still, yeah. very early days. So. Let's get on to Twitter questions. Um, I guess we had one from AVFC Langers, which which top players can we realistically get in at Villa? And, you know, Ross McCormick, I think, is pretty realistic. And for champ- as far as the championship goes, I would say he is a top player. Who's the really amazing Swedish guy who plays for Leicester City? Is it, what was his name? Oh, I forgot it. He seems like Villa, someone Villa might be able to get. Swedish? Swiss, even. Oh, Swiss. Oh, go- what? Not Gokin Inler. I reckon if they wanted to, they possibly could. Yeah. He was linked with Villa when we were going down, and now we are down. It's like, hey, why not? Yeah. Want to join us? He's only played five times for Leicester City this year. Yeah, he really, really fell out of favor when, once they integrated Conte, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we had one from at AVFC Latest, Destin Villa News. Any news on the Football League fit and proper test? Sorry, we we don't have any news on that. I, don't, I will add. I don't know if anyone does. Yeah, I will but add. But if, you know, if all if all these people who've passed it before can pass it, yeah, I mean, it should um, just be a formality. And then again, I love her Kalinich's work permit should have been a formality. Exactly. So. But yeah, we all know someone from Sunderland was on the board reviewing that transfer now. So that was kind of done, wasn't it? Really, it's kind of like yeah, surprise, surprise. It's kind of like having someone. I don't know. It's just how how is the bias I mean, not seen? would have done that to them. How is how is the bias not oh, seen? I hope. Like yeah. oh yeah, um, we'll review. Uh, you know, Lovre Clancy's transfer. But hello, CEO of Sunderland. Do you, would you like to do Justin Villa's transfer and maybe not let it go through? I mean, it is like a conspiracy theory, isn't it? But there's a bias there. You don't. You have. You have to have independent people reviewing this. Not people involved with football clubs competing against Aston Villa to decide who they sign. And uh, no. And if, if if they really do care about the integrity of football, they should want the best possible owner. And if he is exactly, if Tony Shear turns out to be a, a crook, and I'm you know I'm pretty certain he isn't. But if he is, that's not his fault that the FA let him purchase Aston Villa. It's the FA's fault. It's Lerner's fault. Let's just blame it on Randy Lerner. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, they, they, that's the safeguard, Sam. There's these safeguards to stop people, 
dodgy people buying football clubs and people will go, oh my God, I can't believe Tony Shears used Aston Villa for this and that. But the FA were there to stop him doing anything bad. So if it goes bad, it's their fault. And I mean, they have let people... It didn't stop Leeds. Exactly. It didn't stop dodgy people being involved with football clubs anyway. Um, But I'm certain if he passes, he should be okay. Yeah, I th- I think so. I th- I think we're going to be okay. Um, next one from Chris Hinton at Seven Hinton. Surely anyone in their right mind knows Roberto Di Matteo is too nice to take this squad on. Wanted David Moyes, but if not, Nigel Pearson over Roberto Di Matteo. I don't get this whole thing of why you need to be nasty to be a football manager. I think it's very grounded in the seventies and eighties of uh, you know even you have English culture. Yeah, exactly where Alex Ferguson would standardly kick an Adidas Predator at his captain's head. I mean, Diego Simeone is obviously a hard-ass, but I don't think he is just mean to his players just for the sake of it. Yeah, and I mean, Remy Gard... You know, he's, he's, was no he's angry at the ref or whatever, but he's not just being really like a chilled-out guy on the sideline, but I don't think that really mm. matters. Even Remy Gard was noted, you know, not to be exactly this lovely person to players. He wasn't like screaming at them, but I don't, you know, it was noted by people at Lyon that he wasn't there to be this man at a Tim Show that put his arm around them. He wanted the best out of them and would demand the best of them. Even like an Arsene Wenger would demand the best of these players. Um, you don't have to be, you know, this hard, this crazy hard, you know, hard tough guy to succeed in football anymore. It's maybe it was just luck or chance that made it so in the first place. You know, with people like Brian Clough and Don Revy, you know, who knows who knows what the future of football holds, but certainly it isn't based on personality to manage a football club. Surely it doesn't matter if you're nice or nasty. It can't be that childish. It can't be yeah. that basic. All right, but here is a childish question for us, of course, from <laughs> Tyler Fisher at T Fisher twenty one. Food chat, what is your favorite menu item from Chinese takeout? God, I don't know. It's it's not really an an item. I guess it's more of a side dish. I really do love crab rangoon, but I really um, do love chicken balls. Do you guys have those in America? I just like really deep fried chicken balls, like just balls of chicken deep fried. Just just the chicken. It's just like a chicken breast, like a, a cut of chicken breast, like a chunk, like a nugget, but it's fried. Not like a nugget. It's like it's like almost hollow. It's like a meteor of chicken and fat. Yeah, maybe maybe that's just what, like sweet and sour chicken. Like that's just yeah, yeah. Because you possible. get the chicken, then you get like the rice on the side, and then yeah, but like, it's like in a ball. It's in a ball of batter, and it's just complete madness. Yeah, yeah, something, yeah, something like that. I think that that's, yeah, that's my favorite a good one. It's really fatty, and it will kill me one day. But that is my favorite. Yeah, hopefully Villa wins something before then because really I don't think there's any really stopping you from eating it. I mean, if it's really that delicious. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> um, someone who actually does have a lot of his life and playing career in front of him, Jack Grealish, just getting into the England U21s and on his debut, two goals and two assists. Yeah, amazing stuff. I mean, hopefully he can do it for Villa in the future. But the big takeaway from this is Jack Grealish is a good player. <laughs> Don't let this season define him because he came in and 
even, I don't know it's against Guinea, but you shouldn't let the opposition define how good a player. I don't know played. how Guinea scored a goal before England. They opened the scoring and exactly. then won like six one. There, there we go. Um, you don't let a, you know the opposition def- determine an individual player's performance. Whether it's you know the five one Jeremy against England, you don't let how weak an opposition are determine that performance. Um, Jack Grealish, two assists, two goals. You know that's incre- that's an incredible performance. For his yeah. first full time, he just slipped, you know, slow, slid straight into the squad like someone DMs. You know, he's just natural there. Crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff that he's. This is his first full match. First full match, two assists. The assists are what impressed me so much because it's chemistry. It's like he's just fitted in there so well. And uh, I mean, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was interesting how both of his goals were almost carbon copies of each other. The second one obviously was better. He found the corner. The first one, the goalie spilled a little bit, maybe could have saved it, but they were both just kind of cutting in from that left side and wrapping his foot around it and striking it for the far corner low. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, two goals. What more can you say? And two goals, two assists for England in a national tournament on his first proper game. That's... Dream start. Dream start. Hopefully he doesn't do too well because he would really put himself in a shop window for a club like West Ham or even Leicester you know, to take him. And I hope that doesn't happen because I really want him to you know, succeed at Aston Villa. Really do. Yeah, I'm, and I know this isn't this isn't Villa, I guess, but I saw that Leicester were interested in uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum from Newcastle. So that's, I mean, they're similar to us. They're going down and they're going to lose top players to Leicester, maybe. Yeah, exactly, and I hope Jack Grealish really, as I said just a moment ago, I really hope he stays because it's that dream, isn't it? It's like a local, local, you know, kid who's really good. He's not just good; he certainly has some potential there. I know you wrote about him for the Scouted Football Handbook, if I'm correct, about you know the talent he does yeah, and his yeah. ability. So he's something special. He's one of the world's emerging talents. And if he can really kick on at Aston Villa, oh, God forbid that we ever sell him, but he could really kick on his career somewhere. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully Villa, hopefully he propels us yeah, up. Fingers crossed, Villa sticks around. But um, worst case scenario, if he ends up moving to a club for big money and really kicks on, and we can be happy about that instead of the opposite Fabian Dalf, who pissed off and has broken his hip or something, and now he won't even be turning out for England, which he didn't deserve. Yeah, never happy place. about it. Yeah, I mean. A big fallacy from this season is, oh, if we had Duff, we'd stay up, but he's really been injured most of the time. Yeah, so, no, no, if we had him and Cleverly and Benteke. If we had him, Cleverly and Benteke, three more players. <laughs> yeah, maybe we would Mostly have. just because then we wouldn't have had all the shit players we actually did have. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> maybe not even their merits, you know? People were cussing out Vlar, but man, the reality, the reality we did have with Julian Lescott, who was his replacement... Uh, wow, Ron Vlaar didn't do it, put any of us through this shit. No did kidding. They? He was amazing at the World Cup as well. I will add that he was fucking incredible at the 2014 World Cup. And then yeah. he should have been sold to Manchester United, but now he went out on a really sad note. Really, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, Trillian Lescott needs but to go the same way. We are going to end the podcast on a happy note, as James mentioned a little bit earlier. 34 years ago today, the 26th of May, 1982, Aston Villa lifted the European Cup. And I mean, we both weren't there to remember it. 
but it's certainly something that's always about Aston Villa. I mean, the song sung is, you know, have you won the European Cup? And it, that even affects Arsenal fans and no one can say. It's not like this thing that everyone can say. There's only a, exactly. a handful of teams that have won this cup. And, uh, and now we can even say is from Rotterdam to Rotherham. And yeah, that's just perfect. properly hilarious. Yeah. Because uh, it just shows you the downfall. But Villa have won the European Cup, man. Like, Nottingham Forest have won it. And that team, they won it back to back, which is really incredible. But Aston Villa in that company, in that company, Brian yeah, Clough. When, and that was, I think that was really just the heyday for English football. Uh, Villa were the sixth English team in a row, I believe, to win the competition at that time. So it was just everybody in England was winning it. And luckily we got got in on the party. Yeah, and Villa were the real villains, so to speak, of uh, <laughs> of the uh, European Cup because Bayern Munich really wanted that cup. That would have cemented an era of domination for them, but Villa really stole it. Yeah, I mean, it was smash and grab. It was it was just like how how you were saying how when Chelsea had beat them, you know that that goal by Drogba that sent it to stoppage time. It was on Chelsea's first corner. Bayern had had like eleven in the match, and of course it was at the Allianz Arena or the the Fußball Arena München because you can't say the corporate name in the in those competitions. But <laughs> yeah. um, that's why it's pointless. Yeah, that's what we're talking about a little bit because <laughs> yeah, in a yeah, big exactly. competition you can't even name it. Yeah. But and yeah. you, have, you have to cover up the ad of it, but but yeah, smash and grab, and I mean, you know, like, maybe like you were saying, maybe it is d- destiny. I guess that that Di Matteo is going to come to Villa, and yeah. obviously we're not going to win the European Cup, but still, yeah. Bayern Munich, when Bayern, when Villa beat Bayern Munich, that was you know after back to back wins by Liverpool, Nottingham Forest to Liverpool again, and Bayern Munich, this would have been their fourth fourth European Cup in ten years. That is what that is incredible. This would have been, you know, the defining moment of a legacy. And Aston Villa turned up 1-1-0. Almost seemingly by accident. Not to take anything away from them. And scuppered that for Bayern Munich. Who wouldn't go on to win it again in quite a while. Almost. Oh, God. I think you go 20 years for Bayern Munich to win it again. And uh, you don't just get a chance to win four European Cup trophies in 10 years. You don't at all and uh for Bayern Munich to to be on the verge of achieving that and Aston Villa breaking breaking those hearts. There's no sweet there's nothing sweeter is there than being the villain of no, the piece. Not, as not much really. as a hero. But there is nothing sweeter. We, just, we may not be the club that Bayern are but we we had our day one day. Yeah we really shot Bayern so. Munich dreams in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> really and with, with a goalkeeper with a with a manager who had assumed the team in the middle of the season the goalkeeper who came in in the middle of the match yeah uh, never no, played think. really yeah it's just incredible yeah that's why why I refrain from totally saying that Villa really the villain to the pieces because they were the complete underdogs as well um, they went against a team that had won the European Cup uh, you know three times in the last decade they'd obviously dominated in their home, you know, at home in Germany, uh, one of the greatest teams of all time, that uh, 70s, 80s Bayern Munich team, and Aston Villa turned up with, with a spare keeper and beat them. You know, and what did, what did Villa even finish in the league that year? Seventh, I think, something around there. Let's have a look, shall we? 1980. But, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously they they won the league the year before, and then and then went on to beat Barcelona in the Super Cup after. And I believe they went on to get relegated pretty sharpish after. Yeah, that. I think I think I think just three or four years after. Now uh, Liverpool won it. Isn't it? Yeah, Bob Paisley with Liverpool won the League Cup and league title for uh, Liverpool and Villa. Don't know where they finish. It doesn't really say, does it? No, it does. It does. <laughs> No, that's Division 1. We're just that far down, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. We were 11th. <laughs> 11th. Okay, even worse than, than my low estimation of 8th. Okay. Like Stoke winning, the, qualifying for the Champions League and accidentally winning the Champions League the next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just back backdooring into it and, you know. Yeah, completely accidentally. But um, there were a lot of qualification spots up. But um, I feel it really scuppered the hopes of everyone. And... Uh, then again, uh, finishing if we could finish 11th this year, that would have been amazing. Oh God, so I would pray for that. Yeah, completely. But... This is the first division where Ipswich Town was second. So, and they're managed well. Mick they're doing well, aren't they? Not well. But um, yeah, they're, they're down, well. down in the doldrums of uh, English football, and Aston Villa will be set to join them next year instead of uh, qualifying for the Champions League and winning it. It, it is it is going to be a fun season, the championship. Though I'm looking forward to it, but um, yeah, you know, I think I think that's really all we got for you this week. If you've been listening to the whole cast before, you obviously know where to find us. And yeah, you feel free to to tweet us anything whenever if you want to you know talk about Villa. Obviously, we take your Twitter questions on the show. But no match is coming up for a while, so hopefully we have some manager news coming up, and then. Silly season transfer window is going to open, so right around the corner. Yeah, it's going to get crazy. So, yeah, I want to thank James Russian for joining us this time. And, of course, you can listen to his show on the pod, my lord. That's also hosted at 7500tohold.com. And for James and 7500, I've been Jack Grimsey. Thanks for listening to the Holtcast. <laughs>